Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is also the author of Winning Fixes Everything. that came out on Valentine's Day. He is Evan Drellick. Evan, good to have you on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. How are you, sir? Hey, Evan. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we appreciate it. Let's uh, let's talk about the book right away. Winning fixes everything. It came out on Valentine's Day, and I, I love it. How baseball's brightest minds created sports' biggest mess, and the biggest mess has to be what happened with the Houston Astros a few years ago. Correct? Yeah, I, I, and I think just in general, this uh, environment where cheating became, you know grew beyond just the Astros. The Astros were the most egregious example of it and, and, and got all the noise, but uh, it, it was a mess. I mean, the reason that you are, people still want to talk about it today is because it wasn't neat and tidy. You know, it wasn't clean cut. Uh, there, there was a lot of crap going on, and uh, I think the book presents as full a picture uh, as people can find. When you were digging into this thing, like, what was the, was there a moment where you're like, I just can't even believe they tried that, or that how, and, and what kind of guts did it take to get to this point where we're going to do this? Like, uh, it just kind of walk me through that. Yeah, I found out what the Astros were doing 13 months before Ken Rosenthal and I broke the story for the Athletics. So the story comes out in November of 2019. It was during the 2018 ALCS uh, that I first learned about it. And there, there, there's some twists and turns along the way here. Um, I had been an Astros reporter in Houston, but at that time I find out in 18, I'm actually covering the Red Sox for a regional sports network in Boston. They end up firing me, not related to this as far as I know, but, um, it, you know, it took, it took uh, longer to get out than I, I would have wanted. But, you know, it, it, I find out uh, actually not long after everybody's talking, really during, uh, about uh, the Astros having somebody snoop around Cleveland's dugout, right? They do the same thing. Uh, with the Red Sox, and so that was kind of a, a, a dust-up ahead of all of it. But, yeah, I mean, look, when I found out what they were doing, I, I was floored. And in your mind automatically starts turning to, well, how do I get this story? Now, how do I get to a point where I'm comfortable reporting it? And, you know, I knew the Astros were very aggressive with reporters. I figured they would attack me. I didn't really trust the place I was working for. Hmm. You put it all together, um, it took 13 months, and I paired up with Ken Rosenthal, and we got it done. But it was it was a, a pretty wild time. It was difficult, you know, literally not having a job and having that story sitting in my notebook. Wow. I remember, in fact, picture. Andy saw the guy with the, the, the picture. Yeah, the guy with the picture and all that stuff in the, in the Cleveland dugout. Evan, did you get tipped off? Did you 
you know, somebody not happy with what was going on? Can I, and certainly not giving away sources, but, you know, and, and then how difficult was it to sit on that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I get asked about this, and I, I think some people, I guess the assumption is that you get a breadcrumb, right? If somebody says, hey, I think something was up. Uh, in this case, you know, I, I had strong sourcing, and, and uh, you know, I had covered the Astros, and there was a bit of a word-of-mouth thing where, you know, people have grown to trust me, and other people grew to trust me because some of the other people had trusted me. Uh, and so I had the, really the whole thing right from the start, but I, I wanted more corroboration. You know, I wanted... Uh, when you're when you're reporting something, look, when you're reporting anything, you want as much corroboration as, as possible. Amen. But when it's this big a deal, it's this messy, you know, you you, you got to make sure you have it and you have it right, uh, or else. And you know, we did that. I mean, in the end, if I had published what I had back in say you know October, November, 2018, all of it would have been there. Uh, you know, we hadn't talked to Mike Fires, who ended up going on the record at that point, and. Uh, I, uh, we hadn't talked to Danny Farquhar, who was on the White Sox, and had, you know, basically he had witnessed the system and, and uh, saw it. He was an opponent, but you know, as far as the details of the scheme, I, I had the whole thing. Hmm. I, I just remember being super upset here in Cleveland because, you know, at that time the Indians really got raked over the coals, and then it was just like, okay, they couldn't beat them, especially the Astros, and I was like, and then I was like, well, how about the Dodgers, man? How should they feel about? You know, all this stuff that went down. What was it like? I mean, was there, did you have, uh, especially with the book, I'm just curious, uh, other teams' perspective on what was going on here at the time? Yeah, look, other teams, uh, Red Sox, Yankees were both caught, uh, Red Sox twice. Right. Were doing uh, a base runner system, right? So you decode the sign in the video room, you get it out the second, you get it out to the dugout, and then a guy gets on second base, well, he knows the code. And it's, it's easy to tell the hitter what's coming. It is certainly um, a form of cheating, but I think everybody looks at what the Astros, or most people look at what the Astros did, is really several steps beyond. Because it was entirely off the field. It was, um, you know, a camera in center field to a television screen behind the dugout in the tunnel. You didn't need a runner on base. And I think it, it, it struck people as, as a level of egregiousness that other teams weren't undertaking. So new in the book, I do have reporting that the Dodgers were using a base runner system, right? Hmm. That kind of lesser scheme that the Red Sox and Yankees were using. Um, So that's not good for the Dodgers, but I I think most people distinguish between what the Astros were doing and what other teams, at least, uh, at least a handful of other teams were doing. I don't think it was literally every team. If, if it happens on the field and you can see it with your eyes, it's not cheating, is it, Evan? It's observing. No, look, right. If 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 you are on second base and you can uh, break the code with your own eyes, no, it's not cheating. But they were doing that uh, with the aid of having exactly uh, somebody decode the signs in the video room, right? So that's where it gets a little murky. But yeah, I mean, for all the time in baseball, if you're standing on second base and you can pick up what the runner, what the catcher's throwing down. Sure, that's legal. Uh, you can read all about that in Winning Fixes Everything, how baseball's brightest minds created sports' biggest mess. It came out on Valentine's Day. Going well so far, Evan? Yeah, I mean, look, there's been a, a lot of attention to it. The commissioner was asked about it. Red Sox camp was asked about it. Dodgers camp was asked about it. I'm just glad the story's out. I sat on my hands for three years 
while other people wrote, talked about, A, what happened, B, how we got the story. And I, I'm just really glad people can actually see the whole thing and, and, under, and get under the hood of a front office. I mean, it's very rare you really understand how these front offices work. Very good. I find it interesting. You know, we here in Cleveland, we have grown accustomed to a team doing business a certain way. And I want to go back before the scandal with the Astros. Everybody kind of seems to forget now that the Astros changed the way they were doing things, and they were awful for a number of years and drafted a lot of young guys and developed them. And then, you know, it took some turns. So there are different ways of doing this. You just don't have to spend top dollar all the way around, I would assume. I, in, at least I feel that way about our team. Is the way that the Guardians go about their business a, a sustainable model? And there are other teams that do the same thing. I, I think it is, Evan. But in this day and age with baseball, I wonder if that's what Major League Baseball wants with different, almost different standards for different teams based completely on economics. Yeah, look, the economics of the sport are getting a lot of attention right now. MLB started a new uh, reform committee, economic reform committee, and you wonder if that's either uh, the, the, re- the start of a real push for a salary cap or if it's just kind of a lot of hand-wringing. And we'll see. I mean, we've got four years until the next CBA comes out. You know, this question of sustainability is an interesting one. Every owner defines uh, what is quote-unquote, sustainable to them, right? A level of profit or lack of profit that one owner accepts. Let's, you know, let's say I say I want to make $10 million this year. Well, another owner might say, I'm not doing this unless I'm making $30 million. That's what, what's acceptable to me. You know, they don't open their books. And so um, certainly other owners like when teams do it cheaply. Why? Because it keeps costs down for everybody. You know, I think in the, in the case of Cleveland, it's always been looked at as, uh, a team that, that is going, going to, and wants to do it that way, you know, the, the not spending a lot of money way. Uh, I know there's been questions at times, well, do they have to do it this way? Um, but, you know, look, sustainability, is, is, it's kind of code-worded, coded language about how much money could your ownership group spend. I mean, if, if Cleveland, if the Guardians were sold today, bringing a lot of money, you know, it's, it, it's a complicated, complicated topic. Is there a way to fix it? Is there a way to make – I mean, I don't – it's hard because, you know, some teams that don't spend a lot of money can have success. And we've seen success here. We've seen success uh, in Tampa. There, you know, Kansas City's had – you know, there, are, there have been spots where there's been success. I, I, like, I don't know where the right answer is on this thing. Do you? Well, in a way, uh, this is what MLB is, you know, if, if you're kind of having a generous reading of it, is trying to figure out right now. Yeah. You know, is there a way to kind of uh, alter the system? I mean, even shy of a, a salary cap. If MLB pushes for a salary cap, let's be clear about this, you're going to lose a season if not two seasons, right? The yeah. play, it is the one thing the players' union has fought against. It was at the center of the 94-95 strike. Um and, you know, it, it, it would be bad for the sport overall to have that type of, uh, of missed games here. You know, if you're a cynic, you could say, well, if one owner doesn't want to spend, sell the team to somebody who does. Um, you know, you, you look at the Mets, and they had the Wilpons, who really were not acting like a big market team, team, and now the Mets fans adore Steve Cohen because he's trying to invest in the product. Um, you know, I think it's tricky because – the Yankees used to get painted as evil for spending. 
in a really high-level sense. It's good if people are investing in their product. You know, I, I, I think that's what you want as fans. And then owners will say, well, we can't do it. It's very hard to evaluate that question. What does that mean? You literally can't do it or you'd go bankrupt. Um, you can't do it or you'd lose money for this one year, but you'd still make that money back when you sell the team. Uh, you know, the lack of the books being open makes it very difficult. Evan Drellick joining us. Uh, he's from The Athletic. The Guardians aren't going to catch anybody by surprise this year, Evan. How do you like their team? How do you like their youth? How do you like their positioning moving forward? You know, I, in a weird way, I'm the worst national baseball writer to ask about this because I'm so <laughs> focused off the field. Um, you know, like I almost I know CBAs uh, and and the politics between the players' union uh, and the commissioner's office better than I do what's going on in rosters. That's really my fault. Uh, but look, I, they're well regarded. Um, you know, I don't sense from the outside that people are looking uh, commonly skeptically uh, at them, but. You know, I, I I think there are two types of reporters in this world. There are those who will uh, try to make it as though they know everything, and then there are those who like really keenly aware they don't. And I'm I'm not the right guy to talk about rosters, honestly. That's fair, Evan. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time. I look forward to seeing your book, "Winning Fixes Everything: How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports' Biggest Mess." It's out right now. You can get it wherever you get your books. And it was written by our guest, Evan Drellick, senior writer for The Athletic. Evan, thank you very much. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, guys. Evan joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.